a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And apparently, fruit snacks don't grow on either one. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. In last week's podcast, I mentioned that my childhood best friend came over for dessert and coffee, and we sat on our screened-in porch and talked and cried and talked and laughed for hours, right? Well, part of the talking and laughing was at my expense, and the rest of it was kind of at my expense too, but I totally own it. For the most part, I feel like I provided pretty healthy meals for our family, like breakfast wasn't always just cereal. Sometimes we had soft-boiled eggs with the cereal. Dinners, for the most part, were good. Although the cream chip beef on toast, I was told recently, could have added something else like fruits or vegetables or something. And I think that's fair. If we ever did a meal that was like a meat, potatoes, salad, and I use my bread maker or something like that, anytime I use my bread maker practically, <laughs> my kids would call it a feast. And we'd set the table in the dining room. Mostly, we ate a variety of pasta dishes, chicken tetrazzini, spaghetti, ravioli, with salads. Mostly, apparently, meals didn't seem like a feast to the kids. I guess chicken was not a feast. Chicken was never a feast. We never ended up in the dining room with chicken. It just happened to be what's for dinner. But a roast beef in the crock pot? Feast. Ribs? Feast. Corn dogs? Well, you probably guessed it. Eaten in the kitchen. So... When I think about feeding my family, if I would just focus on breakfast and dinners, I could say I could maybe contribute to a cookbook. I mean, offer something on a page or two. Well, maybe my pan of cooking recipe, that would definitely would not have been considered dinner, although we did have it for dinner. But whatever. Parenting's like shift work, right? <laughs> so breakfast for supper. Also, I have to confess that for a while when our kids were growing up, Hardee's had a really good thing going which to many of you, and honestly me included right now, sounds like an oxymoron. Hardy's had a good thing going, but they did. They ran a family special that was really special. And it started the winter I went crazy, which was super handy. If you listen to my podcast from season one entitled Bread Makers or Anxiety, you'll know what I mean. Hardy's ran a family special, started that winter, which was perfect, that offered cheeseburgers and french fries for 25 cents each. So, Doing some quick math, our four kids each got a cheeseburger, each got a small fry, $2 total. You add Kenny and I into the mix, and it's another buck twenty-five. He'd get two cheeseburgers. <laughs> Such a glutton. So for less than five bucks, we could eat supper. Hello. How could we not eat there? This wasn't every day, thank goodness. It was only on Tuesdays. The kids' playland at that time was also transformed into like a club where people had arts and crafts and games. So it not only felt like we were eating cheap, we were also getting some pretty cheap babysitting done too. So again, other than those exceptional Tuesdays, dinners were well thought out and basically healthy. What wasn't always super healthy were our lunches and what was never healthy was our snack drawer. Lunches were fun. Sometimes we ate dry cereal and bowls on the floor so the kids could pretend they were dogs. 
They wanted to. This wasn't punishment. Sometimes I bought the plasticky cheese. You know the one, the American cheese. I bought it because it was easier to carve. I'd cut out shapes like 2D, two-dimensional. Nothing like, I wasn't like doing ice sculptures or something. I'd cut out shapes and then have the kids guess what I made on their plates. Tractor cheese was one of the most popular ones. Just a couple circles, a little rectangle. I think I must have been looking for some sort of creative outlet or something. When the kids got older and had to take lunches to school, I didn't realize it, but apparently I continued to think that lunches needed to be fun. Also, seriously, if you haven't listened to season three, episode 10, now I sound like I'm plugging myself, but I get no money for anything on these, so I don't feel bad doing it. But season three, episode 10, entitled Humpty Dumpty, you have to listen to that one. I can't, I don't have time to tell the story again, but it's worth it. So I think lunches need to be fun as that story will attest as well. One day though, Greta apparently didn't think so. She came home from school, walked into the kitchen and said, could we do something different for lunches at school? I was like, oh my goodness. I feel like my creativity is like tapped out. What more could this girl possibly want? But I asked and I listened. Like, what do you mean, honey? What would you like? She said, I was thinking like maybe like a sandwich. Um, with meat and lettuce on it, and then like with an apple and maybe chips or a cookie or both chips and a cookie. I wasn't offended, but I was a little confused and super curious. I said, huh, that sounds like a normal lunch, to which she replies, exactly. <laughs> I busted out laughing. Of course, this poor girl wants a normal lunch. I mean, who wouldn't? I was telling this story to my friend the other night, and she asked me, like, what kinds of things were you packing? So I started with, I'm like, well, a pancake sandwich, for one. <laughs> she asked me what was on it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this was horrible. I never even thought about it. It was a horribly unhealthy thing. Two pancakes, butter on each, and a pile, a pile of sugar. Pancake sandwich, no meat, no protein, just carbs and sugar. That should help at school. You're welcome, every teacher. <laughs> Sometimes I did include protein, like wrapping sandwich meat around pickles and use different color toothpicks to hold them together. Hello? I'd be lying if I said I don't eat that myself for lunch, like every often, <laughs> like often. Sometimes I'd pack round lunches, like hard-boiled eggs and orange and cheese balls. I mean, that's pretty good though, protein, fruit, and... Well, cheese, sort of. I remember when the kids could use the microwave in their classroom to heat up their lunches if they wanted to. That opened up a whole new era of lunches. Each lunch did have a napkin note in it, though, I want to add. So while the unhealthy food might not have been saying, oh, I love you, kid. I really care about you. I'm taking care of you. The napkin notes made up for it. Mine napkin notes, though, pale in comparison to my son Danny's napkin notes that he makes for his kids now. He's drawing some pretty elaborate pictures, and they're eating healthy food, so there's that. But if that was my only faux pas, I could forgive me, and you probably could too, but you never saw our snack drawer. Your loss. <laughs> when we moved into our house, our kids were four, four, two, and a newborn. While I was unpacking boxes and setting up my kitchen, I opened a drawer that was about two feet deep, pretty wide, and super heavy. 
It was a wooden drawer on the outside, just like all the kitchen cupboards, but the inside was lined in metal and had a metal sliding door on the top. I found out later it was a flower drawer. Flower, like F-L-O-U-R, like bake with it, flour. The encased metal insert was meant to keep bugs out of it. Because it was lined with metal, it was also super heavy and difficult to open. So I thought this will be a great drawer for snacks because apparently when our kids were four, four, two and newborn, I thought I was going to like monitor their food a little more than I ended up doing. Two problems with that. First, Greta actually as a three-year-old figured out how to open the drawer. She would hold the drawer handle with both of her little hands. She'd put her feet up against the cupboard to one side, jump and slowly inch the drawer open with her, <laughs> slowly inch the drawer open, and then slowly inch the drawer open until her little hand could fit into the drawer and take out cookies. She'd do this in the middle of the night. I had no idea. I found out one day when Kenny was in a, on an overnight with the youth group kids, I fell asleep in her family room while watching a movie or something. And I woke up to some weird noise and walked into the kitchen. It was 2 a.m. and Greta was sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor with the snack drawer open, a sleeve of cookies in her hand, and crumbs all over her mouth. So first problem, it wasn't hard to open. And second, by the time our kids got much older, I was filling up the snack drawer with like zebra cake, Swiss cake rolls, and nutty bars. I mean, not exclusively. I also had bags of animal crackers, Cheez-Its, packages of wheat crackers with fake cheese in between them and neon orange crackers with peanut butter in the middle. I also had a few healthy things in there like fruit snacks, fruit roll-ups, and gushers. Now, you might pause and rewind and listen to that sentence again like, wait, didn't she say she had a few healthy things too? I think I missed it. I'll repeat it for you so you can keep driving or cleaning or running or doing whatever you're doing while you're listening to this. Ready? I also had a few healthy things in there, like fruit snacks, fruit roll-ups, and gushers. Yep, you heard me. I think our boys, the oldest, were juniors in high school when my epiphany came. Our kids had friends hanging out at our house all the time, like all the time. Greta's friends would walk in on their way from school to track practice, grab something to eat and drink. Kids would hang out on the weekends and spend the night. One of our older boys' best friends stayed over at our house lots. He was the catalyst of my epiphany. He was the youngest of five boys. I taught him piano lessons when he was younger. He was in our youth group. And like I said, he spent countless nights at our house and ate out of our snack drawer on many occasions. One night, he was hanging in the kitchen after we'd eaten dinner. We'd stayed up for a while. We'd been talking. He went to the snack drawer, and while he was taking a handful of stuff out, he looked at me and said, like, super casually, I love these so much. My mom never let us have fruit snacks. I was like, wait, what? Why not? What am I missing? Hello, fruit snack. I mean, I wouldn't have gone to bat for the zebra cake. I knew for a fact that was bad. Or the neon orange crackers. There's no way cheddar was like glowing that brightly. But the fruit snack, they were even shaped like fruit. I took the box out. I turned it over. Sure enough, he was right. Michael's mom, this mom of five boys, Michael's mom, this mom who canned tomatoes and applesauce and made jam from scratch and put up corn, who even heard of the phrase put up, not me, until I met her. This mom had apparently not fallen for the whole made with 10% juice on the front. 
This mom was giving her kids things like real apples and real oranges and peaches she had canned and jerky she had made. I was devastated. Wait, was I though? No, I was not devastated. I was more like dumbfounded. Like how could I have been so dumb and just found out now that these sugarly little numbers stuck onto my kids' teeth and they were gonna last for hours there and rot them. I mean, in my defense, our kids didn't have cavities, but honestly, not to my credit. Just a strong enamel gene pool or something. All those years, I was thinking it was a good idea. I was thinking I was doing a good thing by tossing in a fruit snack amongst the nutty bars. And I was off. And yep, that does remind me of a verse. Two, actually. One in the Old Testament and a few in the New. Proverbs 19.2 says, It is not good to have zeal without knowledge or be hasty and miss the way. Zeal, enthusiastic devotion, fervor, eager desire. Another version translates that verse like this. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? I remember my desire. Oh, let's put snacks in this drawer. It's hard to open. We can keep the door shut. That way, I can make sure I guard what my kids eat. We can be so zealous, so enthusiastic about something and still be so wrong. Scripture tells us that is not good. <laughs> it doesn't say, well, nice try on the zeal, though. Good effort. <laughs> Romans 10, 1 through 3 says kind of the same thing. Paul's writing the letter to the church at Rome, and Paul says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them. They're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God, they sought to establish their own. The Apostle Paul was talking about the religiously fervent Israelites who were so caught up, not just in God's law, but more specifically in the laws they had added to it and developed around it to enhance God's laws, to improve on what God had intended. Their relationship with God became a religion, and their religion was about doing and not being. Their religion was about performing and didn't bring peace their religion was about legalism and not about love. Their religion, while attended to fervently and preached zealously, was so far off from God's truth. They ignored that the righteous should live by faith. Instead, preached they should live by rules. The Pharisees were fervently fruit snacking their religion, thinking they were doing a good thing, but were preaching 10% juice and 90% something unhealthy, not satisfying and wrong. While I wonder at times about my ignorance and am willing to have everybody who listens to this say or think collectively, how on earth could this woman have ever raised children? I also want to take this moment to say, God's love and grace is sufficient. Let's not all be hasty and miss that. Let's not get caught up in unhealthy thinking or unhealthy doing or unhealthy habits that take us away from the truth. We don't want to miss the way. What way? The way that God is leading us down paths of righteousness. Ask him where you've been deceived, where you've been satisfied with 10%. <laughs> I'm asking him. I keep asking him to shine his light brightly on the dark areas of my life where I'm ignorant. I ask him often to show me where I've replaced relationship with rules or righteousness with regulations. And he lovingly leads me to truth and grace and gives delight in the richest affair. 
This is no snack drawer relationship. It's a feast. It's what we read about in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, where it says, Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. God's word offers us the food that we need to live a life that pleases him, to live a life that brings peace in the midst of all that's going on around us. Jesus himself told us he is the bread of life. We can focus on him. Let's be zealous for him. Let's be zealous with him. Let's be zealous for him. Jesus, help us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.